Abraham Lincoln was possibly the greatest president in American history. The way he won the Civil War teaches a powerful lesson to all of us. Learn how Lincoln's belief in God and love of the Bible impacted his leadership during America's deadliest war. Next, on The Key of David with Gerald Flurry. Greetings, everyone. Historian Ken Graham wrote a book about Abraham Lincoln, and he said that if, uh, if we Americans can't find Lincoln, we are lost. What did he mean by that? How did Lincoln win the Civil War? We need to understand that because it is, I think, a great lesson for mankind anytime. But that war was called the greatest man-made disaster in American history in 1863. That's the way they looked upon it. And today, most Americans don't realize what a, what a major catastrophe that was when we had the Civil War. 623,000 men died in the Civil War. 623,000, how does that compare with other American wars? Well, in uh, World War I, we uh, had 117,000 soldiers die. And in World War II, we had 405,000 soldiers that died versus 623,000 in the Civil War. That is astounding when you realize how many soldiers we lost in the Civil War. If you uh, compare the two populations, let's say during World War II, let's just say America would have lost about two and a half million soldiers. So that was indeed a massive catastrophe. If you look at several news commentators today, they have said we are headed toward a civil war in America. Now, I think we ought to take that very seriously, and we do have serious problems, but there is a way that we could deal with it. But how many millions do you think that would cost us in another civil war? Surely it would be many millions of men and women that would die. How did Lincoln win that war? I'll tell you, it is something that very few people understand. And if we examine it closely, we can see how to avoid another civil war. Let me just read to you the first part of the Gettysburg Address, and this is at the very beginning of it. It says, Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived or so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that the nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this." Well, what did he mean? Four score and seven years. What kind of language is that? Where did he get that? I mean, he could have said uh, 87 years, but he didn't. And that, that's an interesting uh, statement in itself, but 
when he said four score and seven years, a score being 20 years, he was saying, if you look back 87 years, he was not referring to the Constitution, but by the Declaration of Independence, which in many ways is the foundation of the Constitution. We declared our liberty and break with Britain July the 4th, 1776. Here's what historian Gabor Borit wrote. The first time in the history of the world a nation, its representatives assembled and declared a self-evident truth that all men are created equal. All men are created equal, and they, this was the first time in history anybody had said that, and they were saying it to the whole world. And that's quite an important statement, and Lincoln wanted to keep reminding America of uh, that, that declaration. He said in the uh, Gettysburg Address that he had in the past defended the uh, Emancipation Proclamation, but uh, this time he was saying in the Gettysburg Address that we're enforcing the Emancipation Proclamation. That just changed the whole, uh, really, the whole context that they were fighting in that whole war. The whole character of the war was changed, and it upset a lot of people. But when he talked about four score and seven years, we need to think about that because where does he get that language? Some people today might not even understand exactly what that means, <laughs> but they knew then. Notice Psalm 90 and beginning in verse 8. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. Now, this was a prayer of Moses. He was taking us back to Moses the lawgiver, and I think this has a lot of depth in it that Lincoln knew other, some people would understand because it was something that people would scrutinize later and study it and wonder why he used this psalm. And maybe there were a couple of reasons why he did. Verse 10 explains more of that. The days of our lives are threescore years, or sixty years, and ten. That's the way he was talking in his address. And this psalm says, And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet it is their strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Just fly away. We're dead. So few years. And here he is bringing in the language of the Bible. He was trying to bring the Bible into this Gettysburg Address. He was thinking about God and about the Bible during this great address. Now, there's another statement he made, and I'll show you and just get, give you a part of the end of this Gettysburg Address. It says, but in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. A little further down, he said, it is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God, 
under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, and by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Lincoln brought the Bible and God in this Gettysburg Address, and it was only three minutes long. That's all. Borat said that uh, it carried a kind of the rhythm of the Bible. Lincoln had said he didn't go to the churches because most of the ministers didn't preach their messages from the Bible, or at least those he, he found, they just didn't preach the message of the Bible. Now that is something we ought to be concerned about today as well. But he wanted to emphasize that all men are created equal, and the ministers didn't uh, didn't most of the ministers didn't agree with that, and so he had a big disagreement with them. But he always stayed with the Bible and what the Bible said. And the Bible certainly showed that slavery was a sin, a great sin. So he, he would uh, disagree with the, uh, most of the ministers, if not all. He said essentially to the people, well, look, let's really finally try to get this right and tell the world that we, we really do believe that all men are created equal. And he wanted to make sure that they unified America and that all those soldiers didn't die in vain. And what a wonderful, wonderful message this is from Abraham Lincoln. And he talked about, we shall have a new birth of freedom, a new birth of freedom. How precious is freedom? How precious is that to us today. But he, what Lincoln did, he connected the Declaration of Independence with the Constitution and showed that we need to use both of them to really get across this message about all men are created equal. There's no way you can reason around that. You simply can't do it. And that was the first time in history that a nation had declared that. First time in history. Now, there were numerous slave, slaves in the world at that time. And of course, even the African nations were selling their own people as slaves. It really was a serious problem in the world, and Abraham Lincoln wanted to deal with that too. That's why he was using this and what and what we said to the whole world when we declared our Declaration of Independence. Lincoln knew that enforcing this Emancipation Proclamation would really set him up as a target for assassination. He knew that because there was a lot of hatred at that time and division, deep division in a lot of ways, as there is today. But I think that he really wanted to bring to our understanding what these men really died for. And it wasn't over. They couldn't stop after Gettysburg because the war had not been won. 
Lincoln knew that he had to have the courage, I think, and I, he just really, his heart was in this. He wanted to have the courage that all of these men had who died, especially from the North, fighting for the Emancipation Proclamation and for freedom and for teaching and believing that all men are created equal. So he wanted to measure up to the standard of all of those men who died to defend this great nation. And I think he wanted to just say, all right, I'm going to put myself right out there on the front line of the war, just like these soldiers did. And you can read that. If you read between the lines, you can tell that this, is, this, this was on his mind, and he felt obligated to fight this war unto death if necessary. He really did believe that. And you, uh, you have to see what a great hero this man was. And he was continually trying to bring God into this war and the Bible. And he did it in less than, well, in uh, three minutes, a little less than three minutes, I believe. But how many of us today would uh, do understand what that man was talking about, what Lincoln was talking about, and how much we need to understand what he's telling us and what he understands and what he did and how he did it? He won the Civil War. And how did he do it? Well, here is a quote from Lincoln over seven months before his Gettysburg Address. It was titled, Proclamation 97, Appointing a Day of National Humiliation, Fasting, and Prayer. Now that's pretty spiritual. And here's what it said, and Lincoln wrote this, We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown, but we have forgotten God." That was what the proclamation was all about. And he said that we have all of these blessings, physical blessings and spiritual blessings in many ways, and we were too proud to pray to the God that made us. That's what he concluded there in this. And, uh, and he said, well, we, we have forgotten God. He was bringing God into the Civil War. Isn't that a big lesson for us today? I tell you, what, what president or political leader today would stand up and say before America, we have forsaken God? And that gets to the core of our problem. In his second inaugural address, here is something he said that I want to read to you. And he was talking about two armies praying to God and praying that each would kill each other, and it was really very confusing. But in Matthew 18, in verse 7, let me read this to you. Here's what Lincoln gave to them in that second inaugural. Matthew 18 and verse 7, right out of the Bible, Woe, woe unto the world because of offenses! For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to the man by whom the offense comes! Now, 
This is strong meat for people at a time like that, but he told them what he, he uh, believed. And the Bible was used throughout that second inaugural address, and they even said that it was like a sermon that he gave that you'd expect from the minister in the church if he really believed the Bible. Ronald White said, The Bible occupied a more prominent role in the speech than in any other that Lincoln gave. Here, Lincoln declared slavery a sin, mentioned God fourteen times, quoted Scripture four times, and invoked prayer four times. That in the second inaugural address, well, what does that mean for us today? What, what lesson is there for us today? Well, after that was over, he made the statement also, The judgments of the Eternal are true and righteous altogether. And he, he said to his friend Douglas that he'd debated many times before, and uh, he said, Well, what, what, do you, what did you think of my message? And Douglas said it was a sacred effort, sacred indeed. He, he had quoted the Bible throughout and referred to God and to prayer and trying to get the people to, to turn to God. And he was telling them, if we do this, we'll, we'll unite the country, we'll win this war and have a united country of peace and joy and happiness. We can pursue happiness, and we can have freedom. Charles Francis Adams, Jr. said, The inaugural strikes me in its grand simplicity and directness as being for all time the historical keynote of this war. It's for all time. In other words, it's a message for us today, a powerful message, and it's for us. He said, Look, in this war we're going to have unconditional surrender, or the war goes on. In other words, he was saying we we're going to fight unto death if we have to. That's how much he was committed to that war. He was going to keep this nation united, and this beautiful Declaration of Independence was going to be strong in the minds of people and also the Constitution of this Republic was going to be strong as he viewed it, and it was supported by the Bible and he, how he brought God into it, and God, of course, is the ultimate uh, giver of liberty. So if you look at Revelation 3, I want to read this to you, Revelation 3, beginning in verse one. This was fifth era of God's church. That is all explained in our true history of the true church of God. This was God's church at the time Abraham Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address. And notice the condition of God's own church. It was horrifying. Notice with this. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you live and are dead. You're dead. 
Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God." God said His own church was dying even at that time. And you don't hear anything about them. Abraham Lincoln had to get God's message out there. God's people were not doing it. I think that's just a shocking truth that we ought to be deeply ashamed of, and God's own people ought to be. God said His own church was dying even at that time. Lincoln brought God into the war, and the North won, because God was with them. Look at the fruits. How can we deny that? Lincoln has a wonderful lesson for us today, and I'll tell you it's more important than the one he gave to the people in 1863. Here we are with this beautiful Gettysburg Address that is oh so has so much to teach us. But near the end of the war, there's a, some interesting material here by T. Harry Williams, a historian who wrote Lincoln and his generals. And so it was getting late in the war. And they kept pressing Lee, the leader of the the South, General Lee. And at that time, President Lincoln was watching everything and even visiting with Grant at that time, wanting to be as much a part of the war as he possibly could be. And he kept telling them, you must really press this and get it over with. And it was getting to the point where the Confederates just didn't have a place to hide. There was no place of safety. Lincoln had gotten his maps and was explaining all of this to some people so they'd understand that the war was about to come to an end. And then on the 7th of this month was Lincoln's last complete day at City Point. Sheridan smashed victoriously at the Confederates, telegraphed Grant, quote, if the thing be pressed, I think Lee will surrender. And then they began to continue this, this war and made sure that they, as, as Lincoln said to them, and these were the last important order that he ever gave, and here's what he said Let the thing be pressed. Then on April the 8th, the very next day, which was Saturday, Lincoln boarded the River Queen and started home. And then here's what the book says. He says, That day John Wilkes Booth registered at the National Hotel in Washington. And there he did what? He began to prepare to assassinate what many call the greatest president we have ever had. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends. Abraham Lincoln was possibly the greatest president in American history. The way he won the Civil War teaches a powerful lesson to all of us. Learn how Lincoln's belief in God and love of the Bible impacted his leadership during America's deadliest war. Abraham Lincoln devoted his life to establishing true freedom in the United States of America. He understood that God created all men equal. 
he was willing to die to abolish slavery. The Civil War might seem like an obvious example of freedom versus slavery, yet so few really know the definition of true freedom. Request Gerald Fleury's free booklet, No Freedom Without Law, to discover that most people's idea of freedom is actually slavery. This is a bold claim, but you can prove it. While humans consider it freedom to do whatever they want, the end result is usually addiction, suffering, misery, and death. Lawlessness is slavery. Study No Freedom Without Law to really see the rotten fruits of this lawless society. The freedom to dive headfirst into alcoholism, drugs, pornography, and other vices has destroyed bodies, minds, marriages, and families. Is this true freedom? Discover the true freedom that God is offering to you. Freedom from addiction, freedom from false religion, freedom from deadly human nature, and freedom to live a joyous, abundant life. Learn how God's laws would solve all world problems save nations from destruction, uphold justice and peace, and repair broken families. Expose the ongoing war against law in America today and how this lawless attack is the extreme opposite of God's righteous nature and character. Understand how God administers His perfect law through His loving government within His church today and how all this is a small type of the blessings and happiness we will experience in the wonderful world tomorrow. Also request a free copy of our reprint article, Where Abraham Lincoln's Greatness Came From. Growing up, Lincoln faced many challenges, but he also prioritized learning, proved that God intervened in Lincoln's education. Understand how Lincoln became a Bible expert and lived according to Bible teachings. Learn how the Bible transformed Lincoln's mind for the better and informed his view of history. Uncover what you can do to follow Lincoln's marvelous example. Also request a free transcript of this Key of David television program, How Lincoln Won the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln is proof that a strong leader can change the course of history. Where would America be today without him? What would Lincoln have become without the powerful influences of God and the Bible in his life? You must understand these questions to unlock the warning message of Lincoln, which is more relevant today than ever. All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request No Freedom Without Law, Where Lincoln's Greatness Came From, and How Lincoln Won the Civil War. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request No Freedom Without Law, Where Lincoln's Greatness Came From, and How Lincoln Won the Civil War. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 
The preceding program was a paid presentation of the Key of David, brought to you by the Philadelphia Church of God.